1: Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Thursday the 8th of February. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. Have you ever left work only to find yourself getting a call from your boss an hour later? Or what about sitting, having brunch on a Saturday only to get an email from your manager? In 2024, we are more connected than ever and that has obvious benefits in all areas of our lives. But on the flip side of that, there's also a growing concern that this interconnectedness means that employees can't actually ever switch off from work or from their bosses. So in today's Deep Dive, we're discussing the proposed right to disconnect laws and what they might mean for you. We'll get to that in a second, but first, Sam, the headlines.
0: The Federal Senate inquiry into supermarket prices has received its first submission from Coles. The 33-page document includes financial statements, details about how Coles engages with suppliers, and measures it's taking to lower its prices. It said a key factor driving increased grocery costs has been price increase requests from suppliers and farmers. It also blamed rising prices on growing energy, labour, logistics, packaging, interest and tax costs. Woolworths is yet to make a submission.
1: The federal government's travel safety service, Smart Traveller, has asked Aussies to, quote, exercise a high degree of caution if they're heading to Bali ahead of Indonesia's elections next week. It's warned there could be protests and rallies in the coming days as Indonesians prepare to elect a new president, a new parliament, and new local authorities. Protests turned deadly the last time Indonesia went to an election in 2019.
0: An official EU body has moved to scrap plans that would have required farmers to halve their use of pesticides. The European Commission decision comes after pressure from farmers. During widespread protests across Europe, farmers called for less regulation and better wages. When announcing its decision to scrap the pesticide proposal, the President of the EU Commission acknowledged, quote, farmers produce the highest quality food in the world and they must be paid fairly.
1: And today's good news. The West African country of Burkina Faso has announced a rollout of the malaria vaccine. It comes after nearby Cameroon became the first country in the world to launch a national malaria vaccine program just last month. Immunizations for 250,000 children in regions hardest hit by the mosquito-borne virus will commence this week. So today we're talking about an employee's right to disconnect from work during their personal time. And the reason that we're talking about this is because a federal Senate committee has recommended that this right to disconnect, as it's called, should be protected by Australian law. It's secured the backing of Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, who just yesterday said, and I quote, 'We're simply saying, someone who's not being paid 24 hours a day shouldn't be penalised if they're not online and available 24 hours a day. Now, Sam, I think that before we go any further... I do just want to acknowledge that we are employers. We are not employees. And so I think that our position on this topic will be different, I guess, Mm. to a lot of other people's and that any discussion that we have going on about this, that that is the context in which we think about. This law are yeah,
0: proposed law, right? But we're cool employers. Like we're, we're not grumpy old, you know, managers. We're new employers. We're new to this idea of well,
1: yeah, people's
0: work-life balance.
1: Interestingly also, we both also only had short stints as employees, yeah. as like very junior employees True. too. Like we went from being very junior employees to suddenly being employers. Yeah. And so I do think that we can see both sides of this obviously, but I do just want to recognise where we're at.
0: No, it's a really interesting topic. I'm keen for this conversation. Mm. Why don't we start a couple of steps back? Why are we talking about the right to disconnect?
1: So the government has been working on a tranche of industrial relations bills, and that just basically means laws that would change some workplace rules. Now, part of that legislation passed through Parliament last year, and that was in a bill that included things like criminalising wage theft. We reported on that at the time. But the government ended up splitting off some of the other workplace laws from that bill to pass it through separately. And that's where we're at now, with the government looking to introduce another piece of legislation to basically get the rest done. And as part of that discussion, the right to disconnect has come up as this concept that a Senate committee has recommended should be part of any changes.
0: Is the right to disconnect as simple as it sounds? Is it just...
1: Is it just the right to disconnect? Yeah. I do think that it's one of the very few things we are talking about in a political arena that actually says what it means. It's quite which refreshing. Is very helpful. So according to the committee, I'm going to quote here, one aspect of work-life balance that needs to be protected is the right to disconnect from our workplaces outside of regulated hours. The committee then goes on to specify that the intensification of workloads in industries, and then it specifies these two industries, like policing and teaching, is being cited as one of the reasons that people are leaving their jobs en masse. And so the committee noted some of the experiences that are behind their calls for a right to disconnect. One of those was the experience of teachers, and there was an acknowledgement that there is this increasing pressure for teachers to be accessible to students and parents At all hours. And when I was reading about this, I actually was thinking, and if any of my teachers are listening, I'm so sorry, about how often, for example, during year 11 and 12, I would just email my teachers and just like you're in panic station and you think you're the most important person in the world. You're not thinking about the other... 40, 50, 60 kids who are also emailing their teacher with, you know, their last minute questions before an exam.
0: And we also know that's a common experience in health. I mean, there's a number of sectors this can apply to.
1: Yeah. And obviously it goes without saying that this technological advancement that we've seen over the last decade has just made it so much easier. You know, I know that there are some students who even have their teachers' mobile numbers. Mm. And if there is no turning off, if there is no disconnect between your physical place of work and your personal life. Life, it does have significant outcomes for teachers. And I think that when you think you have access to someone or something 24-7, that's when problems arise. So that was one of the examples behind why the committee thought it was appropriate. Another one that they highlighted was the experience of frontline workers, of police. And there it was talking about the fact that first responders really need what they labeled breathing space. Mm.
0: Time to decompress. from. Yeah,
1: well, they're seeing, you know, ambulance workers, police workers are going to work, ultimately witnessing pretty horrific events more often than not. Think about what a paramedic in any given day is seeing. And then if they're getting contacted out of hours or being asked to do work out of hours, when are they given the space To decompress? When are they given the space to deal with whatever they've seen during the shift? And so that was another experience that was highlighted in this committee report.
0: So the report really spelled out those qualitative impacts of not being able to switch off. Mm -hmm. Are there any numbers that actually back up those individual experiences with a trend?
1: So the Centre for Future Work, which is based out of the Australia Institute, I believe, it published a report in November last year. And I think we actually reported on it. Anyway, so that went into the scale of unpaid overtime worked by Australians. And it found on average that employees performed 5.4 hours of unpaid work in the week of the survey. Right. So that's roughly the equivalent to 17% of total working hours. And so what the centre found was that that equates to 281 hours per year per worker of unpaid work, which the Australian Institute estimates is more than $130 billion of lost income per year. I do think that when we're looking at the numbers, though, we do need to see that it's not black and white and that not every situation is the same there.
0: Okay, so the challenge ahead of us, not only you and I as employers, but then legislators and the people who are reading these numbers and reports, is how do you actually fix that? Mm. And so what's your sense of how the law could respond?
1: Well, firstly, it would be the first national protection of the right to disconnect. So at the moment, there are some industries and some workplaces that do have some sort of measures that protects employee hours and expectations, but there's nothing really sitting above more broadly for Australia. We wouldn't be the first country, though, to move okay, in this direction. So there are other places, places like France, Italy and Spain. When researching on this topic, it seems like France is kind of the big example that people point to. So
0: how's it work there, for example?
1: Well, there the right to disconnect is a requirement for big businesses. Right. Bigger, sorry, bigger than us. So 50 people or more. And there it's for formulating policies about digital communication outside of the working hours. So exactly what we've just spoken about. But the legislators there recognize what I think is going to be a very big issue in actually legislating this, which is that you can't do a one size fits all. So what's happened in France is that individual employers business by business, have had to negotiate what this looks like for them. And, you know, there are lots of cases of this when it comes to IR law because businesses look and feel and operate so differently and across sectors that you can't possibly put a blanket rule on everyone. Yeah. But then comes the personal responsibility element. So stepping away from France and back here, the way that the committee has recommended it works is that awards and enterprise agreements do include the right to disconnect and that it's the Fair Work Commission who gets special powers to deal with any disputes that arise?
0: Okay, so the last time the government tried to implement changes to the workplace, the IR bill got a fair bit of opposition. Mm. What do we know about the attitudes that exist within Parliament House towards these kind of ideas?
1: So the coalition senators have opposed the reforms. They said that the reform wouldn't support workers, employers or job growth. So they're saying this is not the right tool right? and that actually it would disadvantage those parties. The Greens have been a big proponent of this and they agree with allowing Aussies to turn off technology that, quote, ties them to work. And they think that it will help to reduce those unpaid overtime hours that I cited before. They think that this is the answer for bringing down those hours. Crucially, the government doesn't have enough votes in the Senate to pass legislation in its own right. So they need to rely on crossbenchers, the Greens being some crossbenchers, others being independents. So Mm. we've heard from David Pocock, who said he wants to see further consultation before legislating the right to disconnect. He said that he's anxious about unintended consequences with this type of law. And in the same vein, we had Jackie Lambie, another important independent with concerns around parts of the reform that could cause harm to businesses and employers. All right, so Sam, what do you think?
0: I think this fits into the wider discussion that's happening in workplaces across the country. The future of work. The future of work about flexibility. Yeah. And for me, it's about employees being able to own the way that they're working and the way that this discussion fits into that is we run a news company if something happens at 10 p.m that is major international huge news we have a duty to our listeners and to our readers to cover that well and that might mean being contacted outside of hours mm-hmm. but I'd hope that in a good company culture that we strive to have that you could come in late the next morning. And so I don't know if a blanket ban on being contacted after hours is the best for a news company. I think it could definitely work in other circumstances. But I do think employers have a duty to be nuanced in the way that they're tailoring their workplace to their employees. And it's different for every industry. I don't know. It's a weird one, the out of hours thing. What do you think?
1: I really feel like I have had this collapsing of my personal and my work, especially in the last couple of years. And I find that really hard. Like I have no spaces that distinguish work from home or work from personal. And so I really, really empathise with how important it is to do that, to carve out those spaces. I do think that it is, you're right, it's a conversation around flexibility because I think that as we become more flexible in our working arrangements, if we are inviting work into the home, for example, in a working from home environment, but then saying that it needs to be very clearly delineated. I do think that that's challenging to designate, and I do think that that's challenging. But I spoke to a couple members of the team who were saying that their friends who are, you know, starting out in retail or they're starting out in any number of industries think that they have no choice but to put in those extra unpaid hours because they won't get ahead any other way and that their employer will set them back if they don't answer the phone at 10 p.m., Because their colleagues do and, you know, they're in their first job and they don't know how to act. Mm. And I think in those examples, this would be a really beneficial and a really productive thing to have in place. How you actually legislate it, I mean, (laughs) lucky we're not the government, I think it's challenging. And I think that leaving it down to each business leaves room for interpretation and could be... A difficult kind of enforcement mechanism, but I think it's a good place to start.
0: That's all we've got time for on today's episode of The Daily Oz. Fascinating discussion. I'd love to know what you guys think out there in your workplaces, in your context, because I do think nuance and industry specific requirements is a big part of this conversation. So you can leave a comment, you can email us, you can hit us up on Instagram at The Daily Oz. We'll be back again tomorrow morning. Until then, have a great day.
1: Ready? And? This
0: is the Daily Oz. This
1: is the Daily Oz. This
0: is the Daily Oz.
1: Oh, now it makes sense.